Thank you for listening to Preaching the Word with Nathan Deitch. Dr. A.J. Gordon, while traveling on a train, engaged in a spirited conversation with a fellow passenger on the subject of faith. I differ with you, said the man, in that any person would be admitted into heaven because of a little bit of theological script called faith. I believe that when God receives one into heaven, he makes a searching inquiry as to his character. Rather than an inspection of faith, presently the conductor came along and examined their tickets. When he passed Dr. Gordon, he said, Did you ever notice how a conductor looks at the ticket, takes no pains to inspect the passenger? A railway ticket, if genuine, certifies that the person presenting it has complied with the company's conditions and is entitled to transportation. So, faith alone, my friend, entitles one to that saving grace which produces character, well-pleasing to God. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. What is biblical faith? What is the faith preached by Jesus and the apostles? A proper understanding of faith is critical in understanding the scriptures. And today, in our culture, the word faith is used in so many different ways. I grew up in a church that misrepresented faith by teaching that faith was given through baptism. Another very popular false teaching on faith today is the prosperity gospel, that through faith you have access to what you want from God. You can get that new car. You can get that new house. You can be healed if you have enough faith. These false teachings tell us to put our trust in the blessings of God or promises of God rather than in God himself. These false teachers justify their sinful passions in the name of Jesus. Avoid them. So what does biblical faith look like? The Greek word for faith is pistis. And in Hebrew, it's imunah. And when I researched these two words, I found that both of them carried with it Two core ideas, belief and trust. But biblical faith is even deeper than just belief and trust. It carries with it a deep conviction that you will live out faithfully what you believe. That you're confident and you have an assurance that you're rooted in in an eternal truth. So let's start from a very basic level 
of what faith is. It is, at a very basic level, the ability to trust and believe. And everybody has that ability. Being made in God's image, we have the ability to trust and believe. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about being born again, he told Nicodemus, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. That, my friends, is what faith looks like. We don't see what we put our faith in. Much like the wind, we can't see the wind. But we hear the wind, and we also recognize the effects of God on the earth just like the effects of the wind. However, the ability to trust and believe is not saving faith. It is not the faith preached by Jesus. But what is the object of your faith? Here's some common phrases that we hear in the world today. Believe in yourself. I know that When my daughter graduated middle school, at her graduation, the principal of the school said, if I tell you one thing, believe in yourself. That is such a common phrase that we hear today in the world, to believe in yourself. Many people have placed their faith in what they misunderstand as promises of Scripture. Then some people believe in the world that through evolution, the strong will survive. And how many people have we met who believe that their good will outweigh their bad when they stand before God? There are so many different things people put their faith in. People say, I trust in the traditions that I was raised with. Or perhaps on the other spectrum, I believe that my boyfriend or girlfriend loves me. All of these are phrases of deep convictions of people and convictions that reveal foundations of how they live out their lives based on the placement of their trust. But since the fall of Adam, people have trusted in idols. People have trusted in religion. People have trusted in themselves. People trust in the next political leader to save them. Hoping to find salvation. Hoping to find satisfaction in the next thing only to be disappointed over and over again, never finding satisfaction in this world, always finding emptiness. And there's people listening right now who feel that way. God has been drawing you to this moment, to this message. Romans 1, 
18 and 19, says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodlessness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. You see, God has revealed himself to all men. Psalm 19 declares, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth. And their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. You see, God's invisible attributes have been seen since the creation of the world. His eternal power and his divine nature, they have been clearly perceived by all men. However, a saving faith comes from hearing and receiving the message about Jesus Christ, the Savior who died for our sins and saves us from God's righteous wrath. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. What is the object of your faith? Are you trusting in the doctrines of your church? Maybe you've given regularly to your church, and you're hoping that on Judgment Day, God will accept your offerings and your efforts, just like the church has been. But there's no religious effort. There's no amount of success. There's no social standing that will make you right with God. There is no earthly relationship that will fill the hole in your heart. We go through life looking for acceptance, looking for some kind of peace. We want to be accepted by our family. We want to be accepted by our friends. We want to be accepted by our spouse. However, there's nothing short of being accepted and reconciled with the God of the universe that will give us the peace that we seek. Until we lay our lives down at the cross, we live lives of futility. Acts chapter 17 verses 30 and 31 says that the time of ignorance God has overlooked. But now, he commands all people everywhere to repent because he's fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he's appointed. And of this, he's given assurance to all 
by raising him from the dead. That word for assurance, God has given assurance to all, is the same word for faith used in the New Testament. It's an assurance. It's a guarantee. God has given all an assurance that they will be raised from the dead, that they will be judged. Biblical faith is confidence that what you believe is rooted in reality, eternal reality. In fact, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're under conviction that you're not rooted in the Savior of the world, in the Creator of all things. You're not rooted in reality. Because Christ is coming to judge the living and the dead. And God is convicting all men through his Holy Spirit. In John 16, starting at verse 8, it says that, And when he comes, it's speaking about the Holy Spirit here, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, this isn't talking about the Holy Spirit convicting believers. It's talking about the Holy Spirit convicting the world, unbelievers. And concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Faith in the Savior Jesus Christ reconciles you to the God of the universe. And it is the only thing that can bring peace to your soul. Jesus Christ brings an assurance to your mind. Christ brings meaning to all of history. He brings meaning to your life. He brings assurance of peace to your heart through the forgiveness of your sins. Christ brings an assurance of peace to your identity, equipping you specifically with gifts for the ministry and preparing you for trials through the power of his Holy Spirit. Again, what, or more appropriately, who is the object of your faith? There's three key verses I like to use that describe faith. The first is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. 
This passage is a description of biblical faith. It speaks about trusting and believing. Not leaning on our own limited understanding of circumstances. Not allowing that to get in our way of trusting God. It also speaks of publicly acknowledging God. And that that public acknowledgement is part of our being faithful. And that through our public acknowledgement, God sets us on the right path. The next verse I want to share with you is Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. This is perhaps one of the more popular verses that describes faith. Again, we live in a world that has redefined faith in many ways. And it is one of the devil's common ploys to redefine the things of God. So to define properly what faith is, we must go to Scripture. We must say, what does God say faith is? Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, which says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. And in Hebrews 11, what I want to recognize here is that biblical faith has an assurance. It has a conviction of things that are not seen. Faith is rooted in reality, absolute truth, understanding that what is seen was created by the Word of God. Romans 1.20 says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that men are without excuse. Now, we get to Romans 10, 8 through 10, which is perhaps the greatest defining verse in Scripture on faith. The Apostle Paul describes what the faith is that was proclaimed. In Romans 10, 8 through 10, Paul says, But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Paul begins with the Old Testament phrase, the word is near you, 
in your mouth and in your heart. This comes from Deuteronomy 30, 14 and 15. And the word used in Greek here for word is a thought or a topic. And in this context, it refers to the complete message of Jesus Christ, the gospel message of Jesus. Paul is linking Moses teaching Israel in the Old Testament to trust God with all their heart for salvation and obey him directly to the fulfillment of their promised Messiah in Jesus Christ. Hear me, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and there is salvation in no one else. Paul continues, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Confessing that Jesus is your Lord is confessing that he is your personal Lord. You're declaring his Lordship, his Godhead, and you're willing to declare this publicly. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he encouraged them not to be afraid. In Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Jesus says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Paul continues, And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Faith in Jesus Christ is faith in the living God who has defeated the enemy of your soul. It is trusting in the resurrected Jesus Christ with your heart. It's not simply enough to declare that Jesus is your master. If Jesus did not raise from the grave, his teaching would be in vain. Saying Jesus is your master is not like declaring Buddha as your master. It's not like saying that Muhammad is your master or your teacher. Buddha and Muhammad are still in their graves. Jesus has risen from the dead. This is evidence of the power of God to save. It validates Jesus Christ as the Messiah And it declares that Jesus Christ will one day return to raise all men from the dead and be their judge. Saving faith is trusting with your heart in the resurrected Jesus Christ. There's no prerequisite. There's no requirement. Your status means nothing. You don't need to clean yourself up. You don't need to be good enough for God. Wherever you are in life, you can turn from your sin and to Jesus. You could be a prostitute. You could be a doctor. You could be a farmer. You could be a preacher. The gospel crosses all boundaries. 
it covers all backgrounds. Confessing that Jesus is Lord is an acknowledgement that you're a sinner and you are in need of the Savior. When you declare your abandonment from trusting in yourself and acknowledge your sin, placing your faith in the Savior as your master, you will be saved. This is the power of the gospel. God will deposit his Holy Spirit into your soul. You will become a new creature. This is what it means to be born again. If today you confess that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. The moment a person believes in his heart, he is justified before God. Now the distance from your brain to your heart is 18 inches. And my friends, I'm afraid a lot of people today are 18 inches short of salvation. To be justified means that justice has been executed. You are in good standing before God. And this is the moment that the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been imputed to you. It is given to you. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Now, we just said that the moment a person believes in their heart, they are justified. So what does it mean that we are saved by confessing with our mouths? Saving faith on the heart necessitates action. Such deep conviction always responds with faithfulness in our lives. From the moment you believe in your heart, you'll begin to see your salvation being worked out. And one of the first acts of faith should be declaring that Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior. And then, be baptized. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Amen. with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings.